Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number three of the Cryptid Chasers podcast. As always, my name is Joshua Grizzle, and I will be your host and your guide into the world of the creepy, the cryptid, and the paranormal. So this episode, what I wanted to do to just kind of preface this episode, I I mentioned uh, a couple stories that happened in my hometown on, on episode number one. Uh, but in this episode, what I wanted to do is kind of take a look at my home state, state of Georgia, kind of as a whole and talk about some of the legends and cryptids, but some are kind of just legends and kind of creepy stuff that we have in the state um, that I wanted to kind of talk about. And just I, don't know, I thought this would be really interesting to give you kind of a background of showing where my interest in all this is, because Georgia has a lot of creepy stuff, to be honest. Um, before we get into that, though... Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has listened and uh, left a review for the last couple episodes. You know, I really do appreciate it. As always, um, please, you know, subscribe, leave a review. It would definitely help me out a lot. I want to know what y'all want to see um, and what y'all want to hear, what you think will be interesting, what make a good story. And as well, uh, I mentioned this previously in the last episode, but I did want to just bring it up again. I do have an email address um, for the podcast, cryptidchaserspodcast at gmail.com. Um, so what I am doing with this email, I set it up because I want to hear from you guys. Um, if you have any creepy stories or any, you know, hometown, like, legends, just anything weird that's happened to you, or even if it's someone you know that's told you the story and you want to share it, um, I'll be more than happy to, um, discuss it with you. I'd be more than happy to share it on the podcast, and, you know, I, I think it'll be neat to hear first-hand accounts from people. Um, so... Please, if you are interested, if you have a story you want to share, um, again, the email is cryptidchaserspodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I will send me an email, I'll respond, I'll get back with you, um, and we can talk about it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing from you guys. Um, but so let's, without further ado, go ahead and get started on this episode. So I wanted to start off with a story. It's probably, this is probably the first kind of cryptid story that I heard coming out of Georgia, because I remember hearing this uh, when I was a kid, uh, and it's probably before I, this was before I really had gotten into any of the kind of creepy um, cryptid type stuff, and I remember hearing this one, um, I want to say it was on one of the History Channel shows, I think was talking about it, but this cryptid is called the Ultima Haha, um, it's an interesting name, um, but it is a river creature that is supposedly uh, lives in the Altamaha River, which one of the main reasons why I love this story is because that area of Georgia, it's known as the Golden Isles. Uh, it's the coastal Georgia is beautiful. It's probably one of my favorite places in the world. I mean, my wife liked to go there a lot. Um, Jekyll Island, St. Simons Island, just a lot of neat stuff, really cool history. I mean, it was 
you know, the French were there in the 1500s, and then, you know, this was the, kind of the first area of Georgia that was uh, kind of established. Um, so it's, it's really, really cool. Um, and if you get a chance, I would definitely recommend going. Um, Jekyll Island is beautiful uh, all times of the year, so I, I would really recommend it. But this creature is described as being very similar, um, though not as big, as the Loch Ness monster, um, it's kind of that got that same kind of shape. It's known to have it's a, a big head and a really large body um, with flippers and a long kind, a long almost like pointed tail. And there are a lot of theories about what this creature could be. Some people think it you know was mistaken for a really big catfish. <laughs> Some people think it could be a, a manatee. Which, to be honest, the manatee theory. That would make sense to me. We do have a lot of manatees in that area of Georgia, um, and they do kind of come up the rivers sometimes. So I, I can see where a, a manatee, if it was a rather large manatee, and if the person was either tired or, you know, slightly intoxicated, I could see how they, a manatee could be mistaken for a monster like that. But one thing I wanted to point out is this is something that I didn't realize until doing my research for this episode. So the area where the creature is known to inhabit is in the city of Darien, Georgia. Darien, Georgia, that area was actually settled um, initially by the Scottish coming over from uh, Inverness. Inverness is very close to Loch Ness. So I can see where it's possible that these... Um, Scots that were coming over who already had their stories of the Loch Ness Monster and when they came and settled in this area it kind of you know either A they decided to make up another legend because you know that's they, they thought it was interesting or B because they were looking for something they happened to see a large manatee or a large catfish and say oh look it's another uh, another creature so that's I, I can see where that they could get that from it as well. Another theory, and to me this is you know plausible. It's just it's a a dinosaur that has managed to survive and live in this uh, coastal Georgia area. I mean, the thing with these types of creatures is that we have barely barely scratched the surface of the oceans and all of Earth's waterways and everything, because it is so massive. We know more about the moon than we know about our own oceans on our planet. So it is very plausible for me that a creature could survive in the oceans, not be seen by man, and you know be thriving down there, because we don't know. We don't know what's down there. Um, another thing... For me, too, um, I know I haven't really mentioned this kind of on the podcast, but I am a Christian. Everything I look at, so I look at all these cryptids, these, you know, paranormal activity, all this stuff, I look at it through a Christian worldview. So I look at it through the lens of, okay, well, how does this fit into the Bible? How does this fit into the biblical view of the world? And to me, my belief being in that... Uh, in the time of Noah, there was a global flood that killed majority of the human population except for Noah's family, and you know he had two of each kind of animal. Notice it's two of each kind, not two of every animal, so when you say each kind, it could be 
a kind of dinosaur could be a crocodile or an alligator. If we're talking about a global flood and these dinosaurs are living in the water, they would be able to survive a global flood. They would be able to wait out the storm and thrive. I mean, all the other fish, it didn't say that Noah gathered up two, two of each kind of fish in the ark because obviously it was, it was a flood. So it makes sense to me that a creature like this could survive in the ocean since the time of Noah, since the creation of the world, and we would not know about it. Um, so to me, that's why this is Ultima Haha and um, Loch Ness Monster. To me, these are two of the most plausible of the cryptids. Obviously, I you know I still have I still believe in Bigfoot. I think Bigfoot's real, but I think there's more of a plausible explanation in every worldview, not just um, atheistic scientific worldview or the Christian worldview, which I think there is opportunity for Bigfoot in the Christian worldview as well, obviously. But looking at it as a whole, I feel like Loch Ness Monster and Ultima Ha Monster fit into that biblical narrative very well. So I did just want to read a few short uh, first-hand accounts of the Ultima Ha Ha Monster that um, I have uh, collected here. He and his brother were fishing from his father's houseboat on the Ultima Ha River at Clark's Buff. The lights were on the houseboat, so they could see fairly well for some distance. They were fishing for catfish and had caught several when he decided to try an old trick they had used when he was a kid. Oatmeal and red man soda pressed out on a three-pronged hook. They were fishing in a little depression in the river outside the rough water. Something was something took the hook, and instead of the typical catfish run and stop and turn, etc., it ran and ran with it, coming out of the water where he could see it. It was 10 to 12 feet long, and at first he thought it was a sturgeon, but could soon tell it wasn't. It had a snout, almost like that of an alligator, or he says he thought of a duck-billed platypus. It had a horizontal tail, instead of a fish-like vertical one, it had a spiny kind of bony triangular ridge on the top of its body, and a dorsal fin that was down, but he could see it on its back. The teeth were shining in the light, and they were sharp pointed teeth. It was gunmetal gray on top and oyster white yellow on the bottom. It didn't move along side to side like a snake, but up and down vertical motion like a porpoise. Mr. Manning has lived on the water all his life and seen all kinds of creatures, but this was the most amazing thing he had ever seen. He was using a saltwater rig and a 40-pound test line, and it snapped it like a kite cord. Mr. Manning estimates from the way it felt and snapped the line that it was at least 75 pounds. So, based off that story, that does sound, it sounds very similar to the, um, the stories of the Loch Ness Monster. Um, the same kind of proportions, the same kind of shape. Um, although it, it does say in there, though, that it didn't move like a snake, it moved like a porpoise. So, you know, it moved like a manatee, so could it have been... A, mistaken identity I guess yeah um, although I feel like the uh, dorsal fin would kind of give it away because manatees don't have dorsal fins but it had to have been big or whatever it was because like I said that 40 pound test line and it just snapped it because if you're fishing for for a uh, catfish you know 
catfish can get pretty big, so you want to have pretty strong uh, fishing line. So the fact that it just snapped it like that means it was definitely um, a big animal. Right, so this next sighting happened um, around 1981. Um, don't have a name. It says the eyewitness uh, request anonymity. Um, but it says two sightings from the uh, same eyewitness. So it was one person saw it twice. And it's their sightings. He and a friend were fishing from a small boat in a creek off the Altamaha, just south of Two-Way Fish Camp, Glen County side of river. It was a windy, cold day, but the sun was shining. From the river, they entered the little creek and saw it lying on the mud bank. It was 10 to 12 feet long, 20 inches diameter, almost the color of the mud, a gray-brown color. When they first saw it, the first thing that came to mind was an alligator lying on the mud like that. But as they approached, they could see it wasn't an alligator. They looked at each other, and his friend said, You know what that is, don't you? It's that thing. The creature slid off the mud and down into the water and swam past them. It turned and looked back at them as it went, and they were wondering if it was going to come at the boat and were concerned since they didn't have anything to defend themselves with. When it was in the water, they could see it had two or three humps, which they had not noticed when it was on the mud, and it undulated as it swam. It didn't hold its head up out of the water the way this man had seen in Loch Ness Monster illustrations. They didn't see any fins behind the head while it was on the mud, or any appendages. Although it was long, it was thick and could not be compared to a snake. The second sighting occurred several years later. He and his wife were fishing on the rice field dikes at Champney River. The creature they saw was what they believed was a baby one. It was odd, and the eyewitness, as with all of the eyewitnesses I've interviewed, had difficulty describing it, having nothing similar to compare it to. It was only about 26 inches long, and two humps rose along its back. There were reddish fins behind the head. They tried in vain to get it to take baited hooks, trying shrimp and worms, but although the creature kind of bumped at the shrimp, it would not take the bait. They were able to watch this one for about 10 minutes. He stayed right up to the bank all that time, and they were sure wishing for a camera. When asked if the eyes protruded, he said no, and that it didn't have a snout like an alligator, and didn't look anything like an alligator. He never saw its open mouth. It had a flat tail, but not a fish tail. It said it was vertical rather than horizontal. Its undulating movement in the water was rather like a snake, but the humps on it were working or moving too. It was just odd the way it moved. This man also says that the creature has been seen at Two Fish Camp for many years. So to me, those two stories are interesting because, well, for one, the shape of its tail kind of contradicts the other story. But I mean, it is possible that it is possible that maybe different creatures, you know, develop differently, and so this one happened to have a have a vertical tail rather than horizontal. And in the first one, it does sound an awful lot like an alligator. Um, I know they said it wasn't, and then the second, and the humps don't really sound like an alligator, but the way it moved, uh, sitting on the bank covered in mud, um, and like slithering off into the, um, into the water, uh, that's something that alligators will do all day. But the rest of the description doesn't really sound like an alligator. So it's, it's definitely interesting to me, cause I, and I feel like, you know, I could go on and on. There is a lot of these stories, um, if you want to read them, I will have a link to the site um, that I'm using on here. It's it's a blog site. This person gathered all sorts of sightings of the Altamaha monster. Um, so you can go by and read all of them. He even goes into people seeing them in the Jacksonville area. Um, so I will 
leave a link to that in the show notes if you would like to go read the rest of those. Um, but it was definitely interesting to me because I'm, I'm a big fan of Scotland too. Like that's, I, I, me and my wife are planning a trip there. Um, but it, it's interesting to have something that kind of connects to Scotland. Um, cause it could possibly be the same type creature. Um, if one were to survive in Loch Ness, it's possible one survived in the Altamaha River as well. Um, so I always thought that was pretty neat. Hey guys, what's up? It's future Josh here. Sorry to interrupt the program, but I just wanted to take a quick break because I have a few announcements I want to make. Uh, first off, you'll probably notice I got a new microphone. Um, actually, it's an old microphone that I had and I lost and I just now found it. So starting with next week's episode, uh, production should sound much better. Uh, unfortunately, I did not find it until after I had already recorded this week's episode. Um, so for now... This is all you get of the fancy microphone, but it'll be much better next week. One other announcement that I wanted to make real quick, guys. For the next two weeks, the Cryptid Chasers podcast is now a bonus podcast on the PodCoin app. Um, If you don't know what PodCoin is, it is an app that pays you to listen to podcasts. It's one of those where you you earn points and you can redeem your points for gift cards, um, for all sorts of stuff, movies... Uh, Amazon, Starbucks, all that kind of good stuff. And as well, you can also donate your coins to charity, um, and they'll, you know, provide fresh water for villages in Africa, things like that. Um, so there's really good causes, and you can earn some money by doing this. Literally, all you have to do is listen to your podcast. Uh, all your favorite podcasts, including this one you're listening to right now, the Cryptid Chasers podcast, is on that app totally free. All you have to do is download it. It's on iOS and Android and as a bonus, when you download the app, if you enter the referral code Cryptid Chasers, both of the C's are capitalized, so capital C, Cryptid, capital C, Chasers, it's all one word, you get 300 points bonus for doing literally nothing except putting in that referral code. Please go on there, go ahead and download that app. Literally, it's it's so effortless, and you're making money or helping out good causes, and you're helping out the show. So for the next two weeks, like I said, we are a bonus show on the PodCoin app. What this means is that when you listen to the Cryptid Chasers podcast, not only do you earn coins, you earn 1.5 times the amount of coins you would earn normally. The way it works is for every 10 minutes of a podcast you listen to, you get one coin. So when you're listening to the Cryptid Chasers podcast, every 10 minutes you get one and a half coins. So 20 minutes three coins instead of two. So it's a really good deal. It helps out the show a lot. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to earn some cool stuff. So please check that out um, and please support the show. Anyway, guys, let's get back to the episode. I know you guys are eager to hear it. Um, so until next time, I'll talk to you later. Stay creepy. All right. So this next story, this one is something that I just found out about uh, this week when researching for this episode, and I wanted to include it in here. To be completely honest, I'm not sold on this one being true. Um, it, it's it's very out there. I've never heard... I mean, I've heard similar sightings of different types of creatures, but to me, it's always seemed far-fetched. Um, this could happen, um, but nothing is out of the realm of possibility, so... But, so that being said, I just want to jump right into this one because this one, there's only one sighting of this creature, and like I said, I'm not totally sure of whether it's true or not. I, I allow you to make your own decisions on that because I'm not sold on it. But this one is the Georgia Raptor. Um, this 
the one and only sighting of this raptor was on July 25th of 2008, um, as a young man and his grandfather were hunting at night, um, I think from what it says early in the morning, and they saw a raptor, uh, like, you know, Jurassic Park dinosaur raptor in the woods in Georgia. I'm just not sold on it, to be honest, but I thought it was interesting because it's not something you hear very often. You hear, um, I know there's pterodactyl sightings, um, that still happen, which to me, I'm, I'm still not sold on that either. But because of that, and because there are other sightings of, uh, dinosaurs still roaming the earth, I would like to include this in because I think it'd be very interesting. Um, so I just wanted to go ahead and read the sighting to you because it's uh, very, it's interesting. So this happened to me and my grandpa on a hunting trip in July 2008. I don't see my grandpa very often, so I always take the chance to take trips with him. Grandpa is pretty much an outdoorsman and enjoys hunting, fishing, and just being out in nature. So grandpa and I were out in the woods around 3 to 3.30 o'clock on Friday the 25th of July. I was 18 at that time. We were on Grandpa's land in Georgia. It's a pretty place with the typical Georgia woodland and a few grassy plains. We were walking on a little rocky road heading for a site where Grandpa often sees deer. And as normal, there were a lot of sounds going on at night in the woods. We ignored most of them and remained quiet to not scare away anything. Suddenly, we heard an unusual noise we never heard before on our many hunting trips. Grandpa looked at me and listened. Then he raised his finger in front of his mouth to show that we shouldn't make any more movements. I heard a lot of movement and more of the noise, and I can't really describe the sounds, but I sure can describe what I saw, even when it was pretty dark. We just kept listening to the sounds, as suddenly something came walking slowly out of the bushes and onto the road maybe 150 yards in front of us. My eyes got really big, and at that moment I wasn't even scared, just amazed to see this creature. And we didn't move as crazy as it sounds. It looked just like a raptor from the popular Jurassic Park movies. I just froze because I thought things like that lived many thousands of years ago. And it had a long, stiff tail, walked on two feet, and had short arms. And it looked lizard-like and had a huge claw on both of its feet and smaller claws on its arms. Since the creature, since the creature appeared to us that it could run fast, we decided to just not move at all. It raised its head in the air and seemed like it was smelling the air. I estimate its height about five feet at the shoulders, and after sniffing the air, it made these sounds again and turned around and ran off in the bushes. Grandpa and I waited until we felt safe again and then quietly made our way back to the truck and drove home. In the truck, we talked to each other about what we had seen and decided to not tell it to Grandma because she would think we were crazy. I never believed in stuff like ghosts and creatures and paranormal stuff, and I still don't believe in ghosts, but since that encounter, I believe in creatures that science doesn't know about, and that's my story as odd as it sounds, I know what I saw. So that, like I said, that is the only sighting of this raptor um, that has been reported. Well, I'm not going to say it's impossible, it doesn't sound very plausible to me, because I feel like, you know, things with like... Bigfoot and uh, creatures like that that are out in the woods and are hidden, they have the ability to hide and they're more they're intelligent and they understand how to keep from being seen. And I, I feel like a raptor would not have this ability because it's loud and it's big and 
it needs to eat. So obviously it needs to find its, its prey somewhere. But that being said, if it has been alive in the Georgia woods for that many years and it needed to hide, I mean, I imagine it could adapt and could develop the ability to hide. So maybe it's possible. Um, it's like I said, it definitely seems unlikely to me, but I thought it was just an interesting story to share because how often do you hear people seeing a raptor, especially in your home state? Um, so that was that story. I hope you all enjoyed that one. So our next story is something that is not really a cryptid. It's not really a um, anything paranormal. It's kind of just a Georgia legend. Um, well, actually, the the legend of it spreads across the United States, but Georgia, specifically Fannin County, um, Blue Ridge, uh, Cherry Log, Georgia. Um, which, by the way, if you don't know, Cherry Log, Georgia is where the Expedition Bigfoot Museum is at. So if you're ever in there, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's really cool. Um, but it has a very high concentration of these stones, and they're called fairy crosses. Um, so, so what fairy crosses are, it's a stone uh, that scientific, the scientific term for them is starlights. What they are is they're stones that they form... When they form, they form in twins, and they, when they develop, they grow into the shape of a cross. I definitely recommend looking these up and seeing a picture of them for yourself, because it's amazing. Like It looks like something that someone would have hand-carved and you know, shaped it themselves, but it's not. It's a naturally occurring stone, and they, there's a very large concentration of them in North Georgia. Um, they can be found all over the place, um, and... There are a couple legends behind um, these. Now, the first one and the oldest one uh, is that there were a race of fairies that were that were alive. You know, a lot of them in North Georgia, but they were all over the all over the place because you can find these everywhere. They're not just located in Georgia. That um, in the first century, when they heard that. Jesus Christ was crucified, they wept, and when they wept, the, their tears, you know, they flowed down and they formed together into the shape of these crosses, and that's where they get the term fairy crosses from. Now, while I like that story, I think it's very interesting, um, especially from a Christian perspective, I don't believe that fairies are real. I know some people believe in them. To me, that's, that's too far-fetched. Um, you know, cryptids is one thing, but fairies... I'm not. I'm not sold on. Um, if anybody has any proof, otherwise, I'd love to see it. Shoot me an email, send it to me. But as of right now, I don't believe in fairies. There is another story though that is very sad. I guess the first story is sad too. But this one, the other legend about where they came from is that during the Trail of Tears, when the Native Americans were being forced from their home and moved into the reservations. Um, that the Cherokee Indians that were in the area, that when they were forced out, they, their tears formed those stones. So both stories that they formed from tears, one is from the Cherokee Indians, the other is from fairies that were weeping at the death of Christ. Um, so it's, it's a very sad story either way, um, 
But these stones are gorgeous, and I, I highly recommend looking them up. And like I said, you go to Fannin County, Georgia, you're liable to find them just on the ground. Um, they have even places set up where you can go and like mine them, quote unquote. Um, so I would recommend checking that out as well if you're in the area. Alright, so I have one more home state. I guess you can say legend. This one's not as much of a legend as it is just kind of a creepy thing um, that we have in Georgia. It's, it's very popular. It's been on on History Channel. Uh, Alex Jones <laughs> has talked about it. Um, Sign of the Apocalypse. But it's very interesting. This is the Georgia Guidestones. So it's not really a, it's not, it's not paranormal. Again, it's not a cryptid. It's not any, any creature or anything like that, but it is creepy, um, to say the least. The Georgia Guidestones is a granite monument that is in Elbert County, Georgia. I want to say it's in the, the town of, of Elberton. And you can go there. They have, you know, a spot where you can park and walk up to it and read the inscriptions on the stones. So it's a set of 10 guidelines to follow presumably after a apocalypse type situation um many opponents to it have labeled them the ten commandments of the antichrist um and there are a lot of conspiracies saying that they are satanic in origin so back in 1980 a man named robert c christian who goes by the who went by the name of rc christian approached the elberton granite finishing company on behalf of a quote-unquote small group of loyal Americans and commissioned the structure to be put on his property. Um, so it contains 10 guidelines in eight different languages meant to be read by anybody. So it's the eight languages. There's English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. So the, the 10 guidelines, um, like I said, they are presumably meant to be after a apocalypse type event. Um, the first one that the, where they get this from is the first guideline is maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. So if it says maintain humanity under, that means at some point humanity had to go under 500 million. One of the theories of this is that since this was built in 1980s, it was at the end of the Cold War. So they believed that he might have expected a nuclear war with Russia to wipe out majority of the population of the planet. And that's where, that's what he set these up for to guide people afterwards. And as he said in his own words is also actually there's a separate tablet that is next to the guide stones and it has inscription on there. Let these be guide stones to an age of reason. So it's, it seems like it's very much a post-apocalyptic handbook to surviving a post-apocalyptic 10 commandments to keeping the world um, around after an apocalypse. So we've read the first ones. I'm going to read the next eight, the next nine, um, and then we can talk about them. But number two is to guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. A unite humanity with a living new language is number three. Number four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Number eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. 
Number 10, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Um, so a couple of them on here that I, I think is good would actually be like number four, rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. I think we definitely need to have a lot more reason in our society. Fair laws and just courts, which we really don't have now. Petty laws and useless officials. That's that's big because we have a lot of petty laws and a lot of useless officials um, that we don't need. But some of them are, are also um, a little more on the fringe side of things. Specifically, I can think of number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. That sounds like eugenics to me. <laughs> let the strong survive and we'll take out the weak before they can repopulate. Now, that might not have been what he meant, but that's um, what it sounds like to me. Eugenics is definitely not. If you don't know what eugenics is, go look it up. It's crazy. Think Hitler, Third Reich, and that's eugenics. But So not only with does it have the ten guidelines, it also has another stone, because there's three pillars. Um, it has another stone that gives the astronomic features of the monument, so it's... There's the channel through stone indicates the celestial pole. A horizontal slot indicates annual travel of sun. And sunbeam through capstone marks noontime throughout the year. Um, so that's engraved on one of the other stones, basically the astronomical features of the stones. Um, it has the author, R.C. Christian, uh, sponsors a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. And there's actually a spot on it that says time capsule placed six feet below the spot on and there's no date and it also has below it to be opened on no date so people really don't know if there's a time capsule under there or not because there's no date as one being put on there it's possible that they put one under there and forgot to go back and do the inscription um, but it's also possible that it's just not there maybe they intended to and they didn't um, there's also another stone um another tablet that has the physical measurements of the stone, like how much it weighs, how tall it is, um, where they got the granite from, and everything like that. There's a lot of conspiracy theories on what these stones were. One of them was by an activist named Mark Dice. Um, he demanded that the guide stones be smashed into a million pieces and then the rubble used for a construction project claiming that the guidestones are of a, quote, deep satanic origin, and that R.C. Christian belongs to a Luciferian secret society related to the New World Order. At the unveiling of the monument, a local minister proclaimed that he believed the monument was for sun worshippers, for cult worship, and for devil worship. And others have suggested that the stones were commissioned by the Rosicrucians, and this is suggested because the conspiracy theorist named Jay Widener observed that the pseudonym of the man who commissioned the stones, R.C. Christian, resembles Rose Cross Christian, or Christian Rosencruz, the founder of the Rosicrucian Order. Um, and then again, uh, we have Alex Jones, which if you don't know who he is, all I can say is look him up. <laughs> he, he's a character. But in one of Alex Jones' film called Endgame, Blueprint for Global Enslavement, that should tell you about all you need to know for... Alex Jones, but he proposes that the Guidestones are a harbinger of self-appointed elites who intend on exterminating most of the world's population. So those are some of the conspiracy theories that are out there. Now, to be honest, 
I get that because I definitely believe that there are some um, secret societies. Like I don't believe, like I don't believe that the Masons are just a fraternity. You know, I, there's there's too much weird stuff and there's cults and everything infiltrate every aspect of our lives. That I, I definitely believe that there's some weird stuff there. So I mean, I believe it's highly possible that this could be some cult, especially with the whole Age of Reason inscription. That sounds very cult-like. Um, it does sound very, very satanic. But that could just be a coincidence. It could just be wanting to promote reason and thinking. But it does sound very, um, very suspect. <laughs> I'll say that. But again, the most widely agreed upon interpretation is um, just its basic concepts to rebuilding a, a devastated civilization. Kind of like I mentioned earlier um, at the beginning, it's just you know, into the Cold War, possibly thought there was going to be a nuclear World War Three, and he engraved what he thought was the best way humanity to repopulate and thrive, and I'm assuming put it in stone, so at least he was hoping that it wouldn't be destroyed in the war, although they're out in the middle of a field in rural Georgia, so I really don't know who would have seen them um, if it were to happen, but you never know. Um, just speculating could have been a situation where a group of people that lived in Elberton after the after the war maybe started like a cult called the Age of Reason or something like that. I don't I don't know, but I don't know what he was. I don't know what his hope was with this. He's extremely mysterious. Literally, the only thing we know about him is his name is R. C. Christian, and that's it. He has he gives none of his personal information and gives none of his reasoning for doing this, other than. Let these guidestones be a guide into the age of reason. So that's something that's always fascinated me. I've been wanting to take a trip up to Elberton. Um, it's I haven't had the chance to yet, but I would definitely like to. Um, and when I do, I'll definitely I can talk about it on the um, uh, podcast. So these are my four stories that I have for you today. I know this is probably a little bit of a longer episode, which I've been trying to kind of make these longer because I know twenty two minutes is kind of good like listening time, but you know. Sometimes you want more, especially if you're getting one episode every two weeks. I want to give you all as much as I can in that episode. Uh, I did want to run something by y'all real quick, and I want you to let me know what you think. I've been toying around with the idea of starting like a um, Patreon and having on the Patreon video podcast. So like, well, you'll have the audio, and on the Patreon for Patreon subscribers, have like a video version of it where I can put up the pictures and show um, I can even throw in like different videos or like maybe news articles and stuff like that um, that y'all will be able to see and watch um, if that's something that y'all be interested in please let me know um, again uh, cryptid chasers podcast at gmail.com please send me any stories that you have any anything you want to hear even if it's not a story you have but you're like hey I've heard about this creature um, I would like to hear some stories of it can you do an episode on this I would love to do that because um, I'm always looking for new creatures because I, I, I want to, well, yes, you know, we have the Bigfoot, Mothman, Jersey Devil, all that kind of stuff. I want to reach out into more not as well-known um, cryptids and creatures and things like that just because give stuff that people haven't heard of before because I like hearing new stuff because, you know, it's interesting to me and I know other people like that too. So I would like to know 
of different things that maybe I haven't heard of before. So if you have any suggestions, please you know, shoot them to me. Let me know. Um, as always, uh, please leave a review on iTunes. It, it helps me out a lot because I really want to know, good, bad, or ugly, I, I want to know what you think and I, and I want to improve. So I want to have some feedback from you guys. Um, I do as well also have a Facebook page. Search the Crypto Chasers podcast on Facebook, um, where there I'll post kind of funny pictures, articles, things like that related to cryptozoology and aliens and things like that. So if you want to join that, um, I would really appreciate that too. Um, but that is all that I have for you today, guys. Until next time, stay creepy.